I'm delighted to uh, welcome listeners to this uh, Thorax podcast, uh, which uh, coincides with the March issue of Thorax, which is a TB special issue, uh, also coinciding with World TB Day. This is a field that's moving rapidly, uh, as often happens when there are new diagnostics which provide a new perspective on disease. And I'm delighted to be talking to Professor Ajit Lalvani, who has the Chair of Infectious Diseases at Imperial College in the TB Research Unit uh, there. Now, Ajit was uh, the inventor of interferon gamma release assays, or IGRA assays. Um, Ajit, can you tell us a little bit about how this happened? The story really began back in the late 1990s, uh, and at that time I'd invented a new assay, a new method for rapidly measuring T-cells direct from peripheral blood, uh, and this was a new way to detect antigen-specific T-cells. This new approach was more sensitive, a lot more convenient, and could give you a readout the next morning. And around the same time, a group at Stanford University in California identified for the first time uh, antigens that were specific for TB but absent for BCG. And they did this through um, uh, genomic advances. And this clearly presented an opportunity to use T-cell responses to these antigens as a marker of TB infection. I came up with the hypothesis that T-cells specific for these new antigens should be a sensitive and specific marker for TB infection. And the first uh, clinical stage of this work was really testing that hypothesis in people who you know definitively have TB infection. Those studies, they showed fairly high sensitivity and very high specificity. But if we were to apply this approach for latent TB infection, where the diagnostic need was huge since all we had was the tuberculin skin test, which, uh, as we all know, is 100 years old and, and uh, has many limitations, how could we show that this new approach is better for detecting latent TB when there's no gold standard? So I realized that actually the, the key determinant of TB infection epidemiologically is the amount of exposure you get to the TB organism. In other words, the amount of time spent sharing room air with an infectious source case. And so I used exposure to TB as a surrogate reference standard, if you will. We did a series of such studies. The results all pointed in the same direction, which was that the IGRA correlated at least as well with TB exposure as the skin test, and in fact, probably better, and it was independent of, uh, of BCG vaccination. And actually, the most uh, important study in that regard was one that we carried out in Britain's largest outbreak of TB since World War II, which was at a secondary school in Leicester, which you probably remember well um, yourself, Ian, yeah. at the time. Yes, there, everyone in Leicester remembers the Crown, the Crown Hills outbreak, yes. Yes, and I'm sure everyone does. And the whole outbreak um, originated from one infectious pupil. And because of the electronic school timetables, we were able to compute the exact amount of time that each child spent sharing room air with the infectious source case. This made it the most detailed uh, epidemiological investigation of TB ever carried out, and we found that the IGRA results correlated better with exposure to the source case than did the skin test. I'd like to move on now to practical applications of the test in 2013. 
Now, you very kindly co-authored a, uh, a review, um, a simple review, which is ideal for simple-minded airway doctors such as me, uh, outlining the do's and don'ts of IGRA testing. Um, could you just summarize for us the, um, the, ma the main indications, clinical indications for the test, and uh, common pitfalls? Yes, I'd be pleased to. And, you know, now that we've been using IGRAs in clinical research and in clinical practice for a decade, uh, the limitations have now come into clear focus. And these are, you know, firstly, the issue of active TB. One is often asked, can one use it in active TB? And, of course, IGRA don't distinguish active from latent TB because they're immune-based tests. But because TB infection is a prerequisite for TB disease, if you had a very high sensitivity test, uh, you could, a negative result could potentially rule out active TB. I'm pleased to say that ongoing research uh, is pointing towards such next-generation assays that could provide that sort of sensitivity. The second big problem is, what is the sensitivity in patients who have latent infection but are immunosuppressed? So immunosuppressed either through iatrogenic immunosuppression or through um, uh, endogenous, say, HIV, diabetes. And the truth is that we don't really know the false negative rates in these high-risk populations. So in the diagnosis of latent TB in high-risk immunosuppressed groups, who are exactly the groups who are at highest risk of progression to TB disease, we don't know the false negative rates, so we have to be very cautious. And in those settings, it would be advisable, if available, to use both IGRA and skin test to detect infection, taking either test results as positive. The other uh, question one is often asked about uh, clinical use of IGRA is, can you use them for treatment monitoring? And the answer is, you cannot. We would need uh, a more advanced cellular immunological assay to be able to do that. Another question uh, that's very important is, can IGRA distinguish between recent and remote infection, and current IGRA cannot do that. But again, it's an area of active investigation. The most important question, really, until a few years ago about IGRA was, well, they correlate with exposure. Do they actually predict progression to disease? And the answer is, yes, they do. The question is, is the predictive power of a positive IGRA result stronger than the predictive power of a positive skin test? Now, the majority of the data suggests that it is, but probably only modestly better than the skin test. So with the skin test, we have a 5% risk of progression from, infectious, from infection to disease over the first two years. That means you have to treat 20 skin test positive contacts to prevent a single case of active TB. The predictive power of IGRAs being stronger than the skin test suggests that that number needed to treat is lower. It may be of the order of 15, 16, 17. So it's better, but it's not a step change. That said, a few papers, and notably one published in the current issue of Thorax, suggest that the predictive power may be much higher than the skin test and that the number needed to treat might come down to levels of 8 or 7 even. And indeed, Halder and colleagues in the current, in the March issue of Thorax, the prognostic power of the IGRA they evaluated compared to the skin test was remarkably high in that study, giving a number needed to treat of only 7. Yes, the, the Leicester data was particularly in, in young people in whom a positive test is um, more likely to indicate a recent acquisition of the infection. Is that the case? That's exactly right. I mean, I think there are three caveats to it, and the first is exactly the one you point out, which is 
these were younger people with more recent infection. In the, the adults aged over 35, the predictive power was much lower and the number needed to treat correspondingly much higher. And that speaks to the increased risk of progression to TB disease if the infection is recently acquired. And that in turn, Ian, points to a, uh, a major obstacle with the current use of IGRAs, that is that IGRAs do not distinguish recent from remote infection. If they did that, then there's no doubt in anyone's mind that their prognostic power would be much, much higher. So such a test would be really a major advance. The other two caveats quickly to mention about the Leicester study uh, are that, um, you know, having been conducted in routine practice, the investigators were naturally not blinded uh, to IGRA results when they made the diagnosis of uh, active TB. And thirdly, that the result uh, it sits with a few studies, mainly from Hamburg, that point to a very high prognostic power, but the majority of the evidence to date suggests the prognostic power is, is lower and the number needed to treat higher than seven, probably more of the order of 15 or 16, as I said earlier. Yeah. Um, now, we'll, we'll come to improved diagnostics in a moment, but I just wanted you to briefly talk about a paper that you were a co-author on from uh, Imperial uh, which focused on new immigrants and screening practices for new immigrants. Uh, if I'm right, it suggested that a single-step IGRA testing strategy might be as or almost as effective as the current strategy, which uh, does involve a chest X-ray and is therefore cumbersome and expensive, but be a more cost-effective approach. Um, uh, have I got that right? And are there any other issues that you'd like to highlight from that paper? Well, you've picked out probably, um, you know, the most important uh, finding of that paper, which is that uh, single-step IGRA testing is more cost-effective than two-step testing, and that uh, a chest X-ray, at least in that patient population, could be safely dispensed with at the point of initial screening and, and reserved only for those who test positive by IGRA. So this is a more streamlined approach that together with my former PhD student, Manish Parikh, who's now a lecturer in uh, Leicester, um, we had uh, postulated uh, in, a, in a paper a couple of years ago that this could be a way for streamlining and reducing costs of uh, IGRA-based screening of immigrants. However, as we pointed out then, and as the authors in this study point out, and as we highlight in, in the review in this issue of Thorax, this emerging approach assumes that IGRA false negative rates in contacts with asymptomatic but active TB are very low. And the problem is that we need much more data to substantiate that, that assumption. So I think once that data comes in, then this sort of streamlined approach will become more safe, if you like. At the moment, uh, I'm still rather open-minded as to uh, whether this is truly a safe uh, approach to, to to, to adopt programmatically uh, across the country until, until we know what the false negative rate is in that group. Well, um, thank you for that. Um, I want to just finish with a discussion of um, some of the other issues with IGRA testing, um, one of which is that it cannot discriminate active from latent TB, and the second is the uh, loss of uh, sensitivity in patients who are immunodeficient, notably uh, patients with HIV infection. Now, we have a paper um, looking at a, a completely new approach to immunodiagnostics, looking at BCG-specific IgG-secreting peripheral plasma blasts 
as a potential biomarker which can discriminate active from latent TB and which seems to be just as uh, sensitive in HIV-positive uh, patients. And I'm talking here about the paper from Ashanafi uh, et al. Um, what, what did you make of this? I know you wrote an editorial uh, to go with this paper. What, what, what did you think of it? I thought it was a very uh, interesting study using a exciting and fairly new technology. The concept is that uh, it measures antibodies, only antibodies that are produced by actively responding B cells or circulating plasma blasts that are secreting antibodies specific for the pathogen to which the, the patient is in, infected with. And the findings were really quite provocative. The sensitivity was found to be high. It was a case control study um, comparing patients with uh, active TB uh, with, uh, with, with controls, some of whom had latent TB and some of whom didn't. Sensitivity was 91%, so very promising. The positive rate in the controls with latent infection was only 16%, suggesting that it may be able to even distinguish between active and latent TB, which would be a great advantage. The sensitivity was also maintained in patients with HIV co-infection, which was also a very interesting finding. The caveats, however, to these findings really are inherent to the study design, which was a case control study design. And the issue really is with the controls because the controls were healthy and with or without latent infection. In reality, um, the actual target population for an assay such as this would be patients with suspected active TB. And of course, a high proportion of patients with suspected TB have non-tuberculous illnesses. So one would need to see what is the specificity in patients who are ill but with non-TB illnesses. And secondly, TB suspects, if they don't have active TB, a high proportion of them will have latent TB infection. And so really, uh, without the appropriate sort of target population, it's not possible to generalize the results of this very interesting study. I would say that it's a promising new technology, uh, but it's at a stage where IGRA were about a decade ago. In other words, it's promising, but a lot of road testing needs to be done, particularly in appropriately designed um, populations of patients with suspected active TB in routine practice. Well, um, Ajit, that's uh, uh, very interesting, and uh, I, I want to thank you for the huge contribution you've made um, to this March edition of Thorax, but also to TB diagnostics in uh, in particular, and it's been a great pleasure for me to uh, to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. Great to talk to you, too. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.